You're listening to the voice of the Caribbean radio, your source for news, sports, and entertainment in the Caribbean. Let's talk St. Kitts and Nevis, a talk show and current affairs program focusing on St. Kitts and Nevis, the Caribbean, and international news. Every Tuesday at 10 a.m. on Voice of the Caribbean Radio, join host Andre Huey as he delves into topical issues of the day. We'll open the lines so you can call in and be part of the discussion. And he'll feature guests each week to help shed light on the various topics of discussion. Let's talk St. Kitts and Nevis with Andre Huey, Tuesdays at 10 a.m. with rebroadcasts on Wednesdays and Fridays, also at 10 a.m. on Voice of the Caribbean Radio at voiceofthecaribbean.net. Also listen on our Android mobile app and tune in radio. Voice of the Caribbean Radio, reaching the Caribbean and beyond. Welcome to another edition of Let's Talks in Kits and Nevis. I'm Andre Huey, your host. This is the radio show where we discuss matters pertaining to current affairs in St. Kitts and Nevis as well as abroad. And uh, we're coming to you live from our radio station uh, offices and a studio on Central Market Street, Bastyrs in Kitts. This, uh, today on uh, Let's Talks in Kitts and Nevis, we'll be discussing the aftermath of the uh, Dominica elections. Uh, there, you know, that was an election that uh, ended just last week. Uh, we saw on December 6th, actually, where the uh, incumbent Dem uh, Dominica Labour Party voted into an even larger majority. Um, they won, I believe, 18 out of the 21 seats that were up for grabs. And so they are uh, once again back in government for a, fifth, a historic fifth consecutive term. We'll be speaking with uh, political analyst Peter Wickham. He will be giving us some insights into um, his thoughts on the elections. He actually predicted that it would have been a big victory for the Labour Party. But there were a lot of things that went on. There, there were protest action for electoral reform by the opposition and other concerned groups, a, a group called the Concerned Citizens Movement. They took the matter to court uh, unsuccessfully twice, uh, to the lower courts and the upper courts, and they were unable to get uh, a victory where that is concerned. But we'll be talking to them, uh, we'll talk to Mr. Wickham about that, and we hope to link up with someone else again from Dominica who will give us some insights into the elections there in Dominica as well. This is Less Talks in Kisnevis. We're going to take a break and be right back. Life can be very unpredictable, whether it's human nature or mother nature. Don't get caught off guard. Protect your family, home, business, vehicle, and boat with a policy from Nagico Insurances. We offer the best bundle deals, so get more for less. Visit your Nagico representative and ask for your bundle today. Nagico Insurances, proudly serving the Caribbean for over 35 years. Fast, fair, and always there. For all your printing needs at top-notch quality, go, go to, to Digital, Digital Print, Print Plus, Plus, located on Princess Street, Bastyrs in Kits. At Digital Print Plus, you get the best in business cards, letterheads, envelopes, wristbands, tent cards, rack cards, flyers, brochures, logo designs, posters, photos, architectural designs, 3D renderings, and so much more. 
Digital Print Plus gives you the best quality at competitive prices. Contact us at 767-7468 or email digitalprintskn at gmail.com or follow us on Facebook at Digital Print SKN. Digital, Digital Print, Print Plus, Plus for, for all your printing needs at the, the best quality. Quality Diagnostic Laboratory, your newest partner in your healthcare. We offer the latest in on-island clinical laboratory testing. A comprehensive range of blood tests, urine tests, stool and other testing such as cholesterol and sugar testing, as well as hormone, kidney and liver functions and many more. Quality Diagnostic Laboratory is located at the corner of Kayon Street and Fines Avenue, opposite the Greenlands Pasture. Our opening hours from 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. Monday to Friday are designed with you in mind. We are also open on Saturdays, 7 a.m. to 12 p.m. for your further convenience. Call or contact us at 465-6657 or email us at info at qualitydiagnosticlab.com. Quality Diagnostic Laboratory. Excellence in performance. Feeling hungry and want something quick to eat? Then come to Quick Bites Bar and Restaurant located on College Street, Bastyr. At Quick Bites, we offer the best in hamburgers, fries, chicken, chicken nuggets, fish burgers, hot dogs, bacon dogs, egg sandwiches, salads, and much more. Visit or call us at 465-5308 or call 663-3107 to place your order. Quick, quick Bites bite on, on College, College Street. Street. Comfort, Comfort your, your taste, taste buds, buds with a quick, quick bite. bite. We at Multigraphics are dedicated to providing quality products and service to our customers. Our team takes pride in the craftsmanship and is passionate about its work. Every job, large or small, is important. Most of our customers come to us through referrals. That's because our number one priority is service. We serve a wide variety of customers, such as restaurants, retail stores, manufacturers, trucking companies, and many more. Our capabilities include design, production, and installation. How can we help? We are located at Bird Rock at the Woods Wright Compound. Call us at 869-763-1511 or 784-491-7599. Multigraphics. This Christmas season, shop at Classic Electronics in St. Martin. At Classic Electronics, you get the best in electronics from small appliances to the latest and best in smartphones, audio equipment, household appliances like refrigerators, washing machines, stoves, and the best brands in smart TVs. Classic Electronics also sells jewelry, watches, headphones, Bluetooth speakers, tablets, and so much more. So board the shopping ferry trips from Bass Stearson Kits and make sure to stop at Classic Electronics on Back Street, St. Martin. Call 721-523-3889 for the best in quality and prices. Come to Classic Electronics in St. Martin. Come to TalkCell on the Pondfield Road in Phillipsburg for the finest brands in cell phones and consumer electronics. 
Get smartphones, Bluetooth speakers, PS4 and Xbox, smart TVs, audio equipment, and just about everything in electronics. At Talksell, you get the best prices in St. Martin for smart TVs. The prices are affordable and the quality superb. So, whenever you come to St. Martin, stop by Talksell on the Pondfield Road in Phillipsburg. Call us at 721-542-1784. Talksell. You're listening to Voice of the Caribbean Radio at voiceofthecaribbean.net. Welcome back to Let's Talk St. Kitts Nevis here on Voice of the Caribbean Radio at voiceofthecaribbean.net. I'm Andre Huey, your host, and as I indicated just before we went on our break, we'll be talking about the Dominica elections, which just ended. And uh, it was quite an interesting election, a lot of uh, activities in the lead-up. Um, some unsavory activities, if you ask me as well. Um, there were reports of violence, protests in the street for electoral reform, and um, so many things that, that took place that warranted the attention of the RSS, the Regional Security Services. We have on the line with us uh, Mr. Peter Wickham, no stranger to the show, no stranger to St. Kitts Nevis. He has uh, been commenting and working in a number of the countries in the Caribbean as it comes to politics. And uh, certainly he did some polling in Dominica, and so we're happy to have him on the line. Peter, welcome to Let's Talk St. Kitts Nevis. Hi, good morning, Andre. Good to be with you. All right. Well, let's jump to the jugular. Let's start about. Let's start with mm-hmm. the results. The which you predicted mm-hmm. actually would have been an overwhelming victory for the Dominica Labour Party. Could you just give us an insight into why it is that the party was able to pull off this victory amidst all the 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 furor over the during the elections itself? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, my, my my prediction was for the Labour Party to win. Um, Certainly, I expected the Labour Party would have lost. Uh, I think a net loss of either one or two seats was what we were projecting, um, based on a, a, a minus two percent swing. Um, what happened in the final analysis was a positive swing of two percent, and they were able to pick up two seats uh, as opposed to sorry, pick up three seats as opposed to to losing. Uh, and I think what really happened was that the election campaign and all of the violence essentially helped the Labour Party to to win those seats. Um, I saw a large number of uncertain voters, and my sense was that if the uncertain voters broke historically, then they would have essentially resulted in the kind of result I was projecting. Uh, what happened is that the uncertain voters seemed to have broken overwhelmingly for the Labour Party. And you know, my, my reading of the situation was that clearly they were uncertain about whether they should re-elect uh, the Prime Minister, and as much as he's been Prime Minister for such a long time, uh, versus whether or not they could elect um, Lennox Linton as Prime Minister, and I think that the behavior that the opposition displayed in the days before the election was sufficient to demonstrate to people that Lennox Linton was not a person that you can give the post of Prime Minister to, um, and that to me was consistent with what we were seeing and hearing on the ground. The, the election violence was projected as something that the Labour Party had contributed to by not doing electoral reform, when the reality is that the electoral violence was essentially a marginalized group of people who felt that they needed to make a fuss in two or three constituencies. And really, that's what it came down to. Residents of two constituencies making a fuss, uh, and the result was, you know, what, what, what we had, which was an improvement for the Labour Party. Now, let, let's talk about that, the violence, of course, the protest actions that took place uh, leading up the opposition, um, headed by uh, Lennox Linton, who you referred to earlier, um, wanted to 
bring home the point of electoral reform and they felt that the mm -hmm. the the status quo was not fair it did not prevent for pre present for fair and balanced um elections elections yeah would you say that there was a justified reason for them to have these concerns um, based on the, what the what the concerns that they raised as it pertains to electoral reform yeah, and, I mean, I think everyone who looks at the situation in Dominica agreed that electoral reform was necessary. Uh, I believe the government also agreed. Um, the OAS Commonwealth paper, the joint paper, was a product of consultations with both government and opposition, and they identified three key issues, which is the fact that the voter list was bloated, the fact that there was a need for voter ID, uh, and the fact that the, the cleansing of the list may very well have resulted in people who were living overseas for too long being, being removed. Um, these were the three things that were agreed upon. The challenge is that it came so late in the day that it would have been impossible to do it. You know, the opposition was saying, yes, you could have done it before and you waited until the last minute, but now we're going to protest. And my point is, if you have determined that at the last minute, <clears throat> excuse me, that there's need for protesting uh, and there's no, no fair list and no fair arrangements, anything to do is to boycott the election. You know, but instead of boycotting the election, what you basically had was a situation where they, um, they ran to the election, they ran in the election, they obviously agreed on the uh, rules of the game, and then they were saying, well, you know, if the result goes against us, we're not going to um, support it, which was, to me, an unfortunate position to take. Now, you made a very interesting point. You actually believe that the results, or rather that the violence that, uh, you know, was displayed during the lead-up to the elections <clears throat> actually helped the Labour Party as opposed to hurt it. Could you just flesh that out some more, please? Yeah, yeah I mean, this, this feeling that the violence to me was demonstrative of the fact that there was a level of indiscipline in the opposition. And I think for Dominicans, um, Lennox Linton's challenge has always been that people don't think that he's electable. And I think that that essentially drove from the point that he wasn't electable. I mean, they, you had a, a group of people who were, were essentially displaying criminal behavior. They were blocking the roads. They were burning tires. Um, and it was not a reflection of any mass-based movement. What it was a reflection of uh, a set of disorderly people in three constituencies, well, two constituencies, really, that felt that they should block the, the, the road and, and behave in that way. Um, and then it came down to the point that, you know, they had two days before the elections, these, these unseemly, uh, incidents where people who were traveling into Dominica were first to, forced to walk across the river with, with babies in hand, with suitcases in tow. Um, and it was very unseemly. The Bishop of Roseau was one of those people who was returning to Dominica around that time. And he too had to, to alight in his car and, and cross the river. And, you know, there, there were pictures of these people being taken, you know, full full cassock and, and, and walking across the river. It, it didn't it didn't sit well with people. When I spoke to people on the a lot of them said they were disgusted. They were disgusted by uh, an atmosphere that was created that was artificial and an atmosphere that suggested that Dominicans were not like St. Catitians and Antiguans and, and so on. And I, I was making the point, you know, in several places that We've had changes of government all across the Caribbean. We've had them in Antigua, we've had them in St. Kitts, we've had them in Dominica, uh, we've had them in St. Lucia, uh, we've had them in Barbados. And we have never had this kind of behavior before where people feel the need to go to these depths. And the issues that Dominicans were complaining about, well, the UWP was complaining about, were issues that presented themselves in, 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 in all of the other islands. I mean, in St. Kitts, you guys, 
ran three elections on a list that was bloated. Um, and, you know, ultimately you had electoral reform after. In Barbados, our, our voters list is as bloated or more bloated than the Dominicans list. We have no voter IDs. Um, but we don't have an issue with overseas voters because our margins are different. But some of the same issues present themselves and, you know, there is really no need for fuss. So I felt that the guys overdid it. Uh, and I think that the ultimate reaction was, was a reflection of the fact that people thought they were overdoing it. Mm-hmm. Um, b- before the elections, or rather before Election Day, you had unveiled the results of your latest poll at the time, which showed that Lennox Linton was growing increasingly unpopular. Um, give, explain why this is so. I mean, based on your analysis, based on your polling, uh, why is it that after two attempts that the opposition leader doesn't seem to be grasping the support of the, of the public as, as, as someone who can become prime minister of uh, Dominica? Well, I mean, I think it's two things, you know, and one of, <clears throat> one of the important lessons I've learned in the Caribbean is that there are push and pull factors. You know, there are things that help to propel you into office and there are things that essentially drag you into office kicking and screaming. And if you look at the election in Grenada, that's probably one of the best examples of an election in which um, the opposition was dragged into office, even though people were dissatisfied with the, the um, leadership of the country of the, of, at the time, uh, Tillman Thomas. But they were dragged in simply because people felt that to keep the prime minister around for fourth term was, was not waste. Um, I think that Dominicans looked at that kind of a conversation and decided, you know, in the way that they did on this election because of that kind of reaction. Um, in the case of Lennox Linton, he has a very aggressive personality and both campaigns that he's run have been adversarial. You know, uh, he has one line, which is essentially that the prime minister is corrupt. He cannot be trusted uh, and he should be removed from office by, by hook or by crook. Um, he, he ran the same campaign in the last election. He's running the same campaign in this election. And the results were the same. And the interesting thing is that before him, um, there was another leader who ran a campaign that was not dissimilar. And, you know, the UWP has been in existence for some time. They have been only in office for four years. Uh, and they have not been able to remain in office. They were either kept out by the Freedom Party or then by the, subsequently by the Labour Party, which is the Freedom Party, Labour Party um, coalition. Um, that says a lot about their, the Dominicans' regard for the UWP. When in a quarter of a century, you can only find it fit to for four years uh, post-independence. Uh, and then it says a lot about the people that have been chosen to lead it. My, my assessment of, of Lennox Linton's personality is that people do find him too aggressive. That's what Dominicans will tell you. Um, they feel that he is always a, an angry black man. You know, he's always angry and, and wanting to And they, it, it, it contrasts so nicely with the prime who um, currently the current prime minister, who is not, he generally comes across as a nice person. And I think that people were excited by that fact that he is a nice and more pleasant person. And he's a person who has seemed to pull Dominique out of the mirror. I mean, one of the points that someone made to me is, can you imagine what would have happened if Lennox Linton was prime minister at Hurricane Maria? You know, the prime minister was able to mobilize, pull them out of the mirror, and in, in less than three years, they are back to a situation where they can move around freely, most of the roads are returned to normal and whatnot. I think that speaks volumes about what Dominicans were really looking for, and they didn't see it in Lennox Linton, clearly. 
Let me turn our attentions uh, to the, we'll, we'll talk more about Lennox Linton and the UWP, where they go from here later, but let's talk about uh, Skerritt. He has been re-elected for fifth term, which is unprecedented in the Caribbean, uh, in, the, in the Commonwealth Caribbean at least. And he, as you just pointed out, he would have come through a, a really difficult period in the last term, of course, with the with Hurricanes Maria and 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 all the challenges that um, came with that. He was able to prevail. He was able to get the country back on track. But he's also faced a lot of criticisms, not just from the UWP, but um, the most recent was and during the elections that uh, investigative piece from Al Jazeera, which uh, diplomats for sale in title of the title of that one, which portrayed him as as selling or alleging that he sold diplomatic um, a diplomatic passport to uh, someone who eventually was wanted and was charged by the Iranian government. Did that, yeah. well, obviously it didn't hurt him because he won by a bigger margin, but do you think that somewhat in any way besmirched his reputation as, the, you know, with all the good work that he has done for Dominica, that is in any way um, put a blot on his, his career? Um, I, I don't think so, largely because a lot of the issues were old. The, the, the aspects of the Al Jazeera report that dealt with Prime Minister Scarry were, were essentially old news. Uh, it was stuff that Dominicans had already determined and, and passed judgment on a long time ago. Um, the stuff that spoke to the UWP was not that old. And I think that that, in a sense, created uh, a leveling of the playing field in the sense that people were hearing about allegations on both sides. Uh, and I think that that, more than anything else, helped to level the playing field. But the Al Jazeera report was, to me, evidence of the fact that it was clearly an international conspiracy against him. And I think a lot of people felt sympathy for the fact that, you know, here it was that someone with the influence of power to get to Al Jazeera was able to put together this documentary using a lot of old stuff and also new stuff uh, and would be able to go after him in this way. I mean, the some of the things in it, like the, the issue in St. Lucia is old. There was an issue in Grenada with the briefcase. And the voters of Grenada voted twice since the briefcase scandal and, and, and elected the same prime minister, Mitchell, um, in terms of all the seats overwhelmingly. He's been subsequently elected twice, you know, with, with subsequent to that whole briefcase scandal. So I'm saying that I think all in all, Dominicans read it and said that this was ultimately a, uh, an issue which had been already tried in the court of public opinion. Um, and I do think that a lot of people find the whole passport sale issue uh, uncomfortable. And that goes for St. Kitts, it goes for St. Lucia, it goes for Dominica and Antigua. Everywhere where it is sold, people are uncomfortable with it. Um, the terminology we are told is not to be called the sale of passport, it's the sale of citizenship or the citizenship by investment program. Um, but yeah, but there have been some mistakes. And I think that we all know this around because we have spoken about it, you and I, and also people across the region have spoken about challenges with the CBI program. And you guys have had some in St. Kitts and Nevis as well. So I think by and large, um, people continue to have issues, but it comes down to the fact that uh, am I going to elect um, a person that I don't think is suitable for the office of prime minister simply because I believe that Prime Minister Scarrett got carried away with respect to the, the sale of passports at any one point in time. I think that's how people were reading it. So is it is fair to say then that um, in the case of uh, Scarrett, and, and you did point out the cases in, in Grenada, but in the case of Scarrett, that he has somewhat been forgiven by the public for the transgressions of the past and that they, they, they didn't factor that in in their, in their voting this time around? 
I wouldn't say forgiven, but I'd just say that I think all things you vote on a various on a on a large array of issues. And for them, the issue of that was not paramount in terms of people's making the decision. I think that for many people, there were things that were more important. So if you use, for example, the, the uh, electoral reform issue, um, the opposition was saying that people will vote on electoral reform because it was a fundamental issue. My argument was that electoral reform is an issue. Sale of passports is an issue. All of these things are issues. But ultimately, when people look at the cumulative uh, value of one versus the other, they're going to say, can this individual be my prime minister, notwithstanding all of these issues? Uh, and that was the basis on which they were voted. I think the negatives of Linton um, certainly were, were more significant in people's eyes than the negatives associated with uh, Prime Minister Scarrett. So in light of what would have transpired in the elections and all that has happened, and the fact that the, the, the DLP has now come out victorious, uh, what does this now mean for Skerritt, his legacy, his uh, role as Prime Minister, and the future of the, Dem of the Dominican Labour Party? Uh, interesting point. Um, his legacy is, a, is an amazing one. Um, Prime Minister Skerritt has now won four elections, uh, and Skerritt has done this before he turns 50. And I think that that's remarkable. He was the youngest head of government elected uh, when he was elected. Uh, he was the youngest head of government uh, at the time. Uh, and now he has become the youngest head of government in the world to actually uh, face four elections successfully uh, and do so before the age of 50. So that is, is, is fairly significant as an achievement for him personally. As a party, this party has uh, been given five terms. Nowhere else in the Caribbean has a party uh, received five terms. In Antigua, they came close, but of course, Antigua was, was independence and pre-independence. Um, so no post-independence government has ever been re-elected, uh, has been given five terms in, in the way that the Labour Party has. So that's also a legacy. And, and the part that I find most fascinating is that Roosevelt Scarrett has run in four elections. He has been prime minister for four elections. He's led the party. And on three of those elections, the party has come out with a larger popular vote than they did on the last occasion. So going into this last election, the Labour Party had the support of, um, I said I have the data here, is 57% uh, of the population, or 23,000 uh, 23, uh, people, roughly. Um, coming out of this election, they have the support of 59% of the population, and um, 23,403 uh, people this time. So they have grown their support by two percentage points. Um, to grow your support in a fourth term anywhere in the Caribbean is, is, is unheard of. Uh, indeed, to grow your support in a second term in the Caribbean is rare. Uh, he has grown his support not once, not twice, but three times in, in four election races. And I think that that is all part of a significant legacy that he, he will hold on to. On, on still on that though, um, when you also look at the fact that he would have won his fifth, uh, well, the fourth term as prime minister, fifth for the Labour Party. Generally, though, mm -hmm. um, you know, is is this something that's good for democracy? We see a case in the case of uh, Grenada, where um, Dr. Keith Mitchell, you know, basically is the government, the, the entire government. He's won the majority all mm -hmm. the all the seats. We've seen a case in Barbados mm -hmm. as well. Um, is, mm -hmm. is this good for the Caribbean to have, you know, one party dominating all the time, or is it a case where we're not seeing enough from the other side? 
Well, I mean, um, I, I have divided views on it. Personally, I, I prefer balance. But I'm also persuaded that balance is not all it's cut out to be. Um, we had a situation in Barbados just before the 30 Love where we had the narrowest margin ever, which would have been 1614. And, you know, for that five-year period, um, Prime Minister um, Stewart ran, uh, I think, what was easily the worst government anywhere in the Caribbean. And he was able to do so without any hindrance or let from the, the um, current Prime Minister Mia Motley. She was leader of the opposition. She led the strongest opposition that Barbados has ever seen. And she wasn't able to stop him from the train wreck of a government that essentially the Democratic Labour Party became. And I think the results of the last election proves that the majority of Barbadians felt that it was a particularly bad government. Um, so it says a lot about how, how it works. I, I am not convinced that a large opposition necessarily makes a difference because our system is designed that it gives all of the power to the winner. The, the opposition has no power and ultimately cannot stop government from doing anything. Uh, and, and fundamentally, that's the way it works. And you know what's interesting is that we have had um, one instance in, in, in the Caribbean where, uh, sorry, in Barbados, subsequent to the 30 Love, where a constitutional motion was actually stopped because of activism on the part of uh, senators that were identified by the, the uh, governor general. So for all intents and purposes, you know, I would say that having all of the seats, all of the power is, is not very different to having um, most of it. And, and, and that, that's what it comes down to. As to whether or not this is something that is desirable, uh, as I said, I think most people don't like it. But the fact that we have had it now in, in uh, well, it's almost the case in Dominica, but certainly um, we've had lopsided governments across the region. You've had one in St. Kitts tells me that it's something that people are willing to tolerate because it is the only way that you can express your support for a party is to vote for them at a, a, can, a constituency. And then when you have such small numbers like we do in the Caribbean, uh, this is invariably the kind of outcome that you would generate from time to time. So that's, that's pretty much how it goes. Is it then time then for the Commonwealth Caribbean to look at, you know, complete overhaul of our political systems? I mean, the Westminster system we've had since... Uh, post-colonialism, post-independence. Um, and you, you'll probably get the feeling like, you know, maybe we should probably look at maybe revamping some aspects of our political system because the winner-takes-all mentality might not work for small countries like us in the region. Yeah. No, and I, I certainly agree with you. You know, one of the proposals that had been uh, mooted for Barbados before was the whole idea of having... Uh, um, uh, national national government, a national election, national members of parliament, which is in a sense closer to the reality that we all see, because we vote at the constituency level. But if you look at the case of Dominica, um, you're looking at a party that has retained 40% of the national vote. I mean, Barbados is a lot lower. They have 40% of the national vote, but they don't have 40% of the seats. And there needs to be consideration given to an alternative forum and I think the Senate is ideal for that, where you have uh, members represented on a proportional basis. Uh, and that gives the opportunity for NGOs, I mean, as well. If you want to do that, you can get civil society in at that level. Um, in, in a place like St. Kitts, where you have a single chamber, you may want to develop the possibility of an alternative chamber that could, for example, have support from the diaspora. Uh, it could have representatives from the diaspora that could sit in that chamber. and 
that's the kind of way that I think that democracy can develop. But the problem is that you need to have constitutional change. Um, in St. Kitts and Antigua, in St. Vincent, constitutional change cannot come unless the opposition supports it and unless the public supports it in a referendum. Uh, and that I think the likelihood of that happening is, is, is probably zero uh, in this current environment. So I think we're stuck with this system. Uh, and from time to time, we will get these, these oddities and you know, we will get past it. <laughs> One of the things that, that certainly came up in that in that election and is no it's not a stranger to St. Kitts Davis because we spoke about this the last time you were on the show, that's overseas voting. And I think that was one of the issues also that the opposition had raised vehemently. Um, what are your what are your thoughts and, and how does the system work in Dominica? Is it quite similar to St. Kitts where you know the government can just fly in or whichever party for that matter could fly in a bunch of planes and persons are earmarked to vote in different constituencies? Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much the case. Um, the system is, you know, it's continuous registration where if I go on the list as a person, uh, I'm entitled to be on the list. I can remain pretty much indefinitely. Uh, Dominica's rule is that if you have been out of the country for more than five years, I believe, uh, you're supposed to come off the list. Uh, the challenge, however, is that it's difficult to, to prove that. And with all of these issues, one of the main things is how do you then, during your claims and objections period, remove a person from the list? How do you um, challenge that person to come forward when the person admittedly lives overseas and prove that they should or should not be on the list? Uh, and then the process of removing people from the list is, is, is a difficult one because ultimately you're disenfranchising someone. So the, the system in Dominica tends to be the same. I think the curious thing about St. Kitts is that St. Kitts presented a, a worst case scenario where you had uh, a flexible system that allowed people to come in. It also allowed people to register pretty much where they wanted without being challenged. And that was, was also something that was abused pretty heavily. Um, and then you also had a lot of money um, knocking around as a result of a very successful citizenship by investment initiative. So the funding to be able to bring people in was more significant than was the case in Dominica. Uh, and of course, Dominica does not have an international airport, St. Kitts does. So in the case of Dominica, any movement in would either be by ferry for significant numbers of people or uh, by small planes. You know, the, the, uh, the ATR is, is, is the size that Dominica can accommodate. So you don't have, the numbers are limited by virtue of the availability of resources and also the, the size of the economy and also the size of the airport. In the case of St. Kitts, you had no such constraints because St. Kitts has a large airport uh, and your economy, your GDP is larger than that of Dominica. Uh, and there was enough money around to, to ferry people in. So um, we had a prime minister boasting about the fact that he brought in uh, 20 planes. You know, there was nothing of that order in, in St. Kitts, in Dominica. And the published statistics suggested that if there was a number of people that flew in, it would have been about 1,500. Um, if, if indeed you could argue that all of those people came in to vote. But the, the published statistics show that the average number of people coming in around that time would be in that number, uh, 2,700. And then um, the average, essentially, for this time of the year, would take it down to 15. Uh, and, and as I was also saying to someone today, I would have been among the 15 because I went in and all the uh, observers and so on from the OS would have been among that 1,500. So in, in, in the final analysis, you cannot assume that all these people were coming into voting in the election. 
Let's talk quickly about the UWP before we, we go. Um, we we indicated, mm-hmm. indicated earlier, you talked about the popularity of uh, Lennox Linton. Where did they go from here now? This is now their well, fourth election loss um, consecutively. Yeah. And, and it's, it first, gets bigger and bigger second. each time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, then two, and then two before that, you know, before um, they were beaten by um, Freedom as well. So, yeah, it's pretty bad. I mean... I think that what the UWP needs to do is they need to look for new leadership. You know, they have uh, any number of people in the diaspora. They have three people in parliament. Um, my sense is that the first thing that Lennox needs to do is attend his resignation. Uh, and, and he may even want to consider giving up that seat and allowing uh, one of the younger, brighter persons to, to lead the, the, the party. We, we have a tradition in the United Kingdom, which is not followed in the Caribbean, where uh, a leader losing government essentially gives the party the option to lead, uh, to, to choose an alternative leader. Because the idea is that you get one chance, if you're unsuccessful, then the party ought to hedge their bets elsewhere. That's not adhered to in the Caribbean, it's not adhered to in St. Kitts, and it's certainly not being adhered to in the case of, of Dominica. Uh, but my feeling is that he needs to move on. I also think that the UWP needs to start uh, a program of, of trying to of listening, perhaps, trying to gain some level of comfort with the Dominican population. They need to regain Dominican population's trust. And I don't think that they can do much until they do that. So maybe they need to look at their strategy. Maybe they need to have a, a period of reflection and also, you know, rubbing shoulders is what Prime Minister Motley Barbados called it. Um, perhaps rubbing shoulders with the Dominican population, getting to know people well, so that when you sit to have conversations with them, then they will be willing to listen to you. But right now, what happens is that people do not entertain the UWP because they see them as a bunch of guys that are going to go there and burn tires and block roads and whatnot. And it's not something that Dominicans find uh, tasteful. Mm, quite interesting. All right, uh, Peter, one more thing before we let you go. In terms of uh, what we're looking at now with um, what has transpired, uh, you know, and one of the one of the fallouts, if you may call it that, from the elections again mm. was we go back to that al jazeera report it certainly has put a microscope not only on dominica it did on grenada as well but just mm-hmm. virtually the entire cbi program in the caribbean and whether or not this is something that is sustainable especially considering the bad rap it has been getting in recent years um what first of all what do you think dominica would need to do now um where, where the cbi program is concerned and, and how it is seen in the international um, eyes, uh, the, the, the international neighbors and, and, and friends of Dominica. Will this program continue yeah. and, and what can, would, can be done to repair its image? Well, no, I mean, I think the recent evidence that we have is that this, the CBI program is pretty much dead, either dead or dying. Um, in, in St. Kitts, the numbers have tanked. Uh, in Dominica, the numbers tanked a long time ago because the Dominica program was the least attractive of all of them because St. Kitts had this wonderful invention where you allowed people to buy their passports almost in a drive-through. So it, it meant that investors flocked then to St. Kitts because it was the easiest one to attain, while Dominica imposed investment requirements, it imposed uh, visits to the island, it imposed an interview, um, all kinds of things which you know the others never really bothered with. So Dominica's program became unpopular a while ago. Uh, and I think the whole theory, the whole theme of, of um, citizenship by investment, Antigua, the prime minister, has said that he has moved from selling um, thousands to selling hundreds to some, some months selling um, tens, if, if, if he sells any at all. 
um, he's been honest enough to tell us that that's what the reality is. And I think the others, if, if they're candid about it, would also say that the steam has gone from this program a while ago. And it's not necessarily because of scandals. It's because there are more attractive options. You know, um, we now have uh, European states that are getting into this business. Greece is getting into it. Malta is in the same business. And these, these, these countries can offer you the sale of a citizenship that can take you anywhere in the world. It can take you to the United States and Canada without a visa. The challenge is that we still, uh, if you get citizenship for, for Sinkits, you still have to get a visa to go to Canada and to go to the um, United States of America. So it is, I think, a program which has served its purpose. I think it has done well. It has especially done well for Sinkits. And I think that you're reaching a point at which you know, you you now have to to look at what other options exist for um, what other options exist for for development, um, and I think that that's that's really where it is. Is that it's a developmental option that's run its course, and I think that steam is out of it now, uh, and I really don't know that it's going to be um, as controversial or as useful in the future as it was in the past. All right. Well, Peter, I wanted to tell you thanks for your contributions and and uh, certainly your input. Um, it's always good to have you on the show and. Um, we look forward to what 2020 holds and all the best for the Christmas season and the, the new year when it comes. All right. And same to you. Good chatting with you. I look forward to some interesting election conversations next year. Certainly. Certainly. Definitely. All right. Thank you very much. That was Peter okay, Wickham, a political analyst, uh, political analyst uh, and uh, pollster who did some polling in Dominica for the Dominica elections and uh, given us his insight um, in the aftermath of the elections there in Dominica. Tell you what, it's now uh, 10 minutes going up to the top of the hour. We're going to take a break and then we'll come back with uh, some more uh, we'll, we'll come back with uh, some more um, insights into the Dominica elections. We'll be hearing from the Carib Update News Service as they uh, provided uh, an in-depth look at the uh, in-depth coverage rather of the elections in Dominica. We were hoping to be joined by uh, a journalist out of Dominica to give us some insights of what's happening on the ground there, but unfortunately, we weren't able to make that link. Uh, we were also hoping to have another um, commentator, social commentator, regional commentator on the elections as well, but um, that did not work out as well as, as we we'd hoped. But we'll take a break, and when we come back, we will give you the closing of the show as we look at the elections in Dominica. Voice of the Caribbean Radio at voiceofthecaribbean.net This is VOC Radio, the voice of the Caribbean. Building can be an exciting time, but also a long, frustrating, and bumpy road. You don't have to travel it alone. Let Nagico take some of your stress away and ensure that your dreams aren't shattered by a disaster before construction is completed. With the Nagico Contractors All-Risk Policy, your building materials and the contractor's equipment is covered from theft, natural disasters, and fire. You will also have protection in the unfortunate event of an accident on site. So, before you get your development on the way, check with your builder and ensure they have contractors' all-risk coverage from Nagico. Don't wait. Make your dreams a reality. Nagico Insurances. Fast. Fair. And always there. Come to TalkSell on the Pondfield Road in Phillipsburg for the finest brands in cell phones and consumer electronics. Get smartphones, Bluetooth speakers, PS4 and Xbox, smart TVs, audio equipment and just about everything in electronics. 
at Talkcell. You get the best prices in St. Martin for smart TVs. The prices are affordable and the quality is superb. So, whenever you come to St. Martin, stop by Talkcell on the Pondfield Road in Pittsburgh. Call us at 721-542-1784. Talkcell. Quality Diagnostic Laboratory, your newest partner in your health care. We offer the latest in on-island clinical laboratory testing. For a comprehensive range of blood tests, urine tests, stool and other testing such as cholesterol and sugar testing, as well as hormone, kidney and liver functions and many more. Quality Diagnostic Laboratory is located at the corner of Kayon Street and Fines Avenue, opposite the Greenlands Pasture. Our opening hours from 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. Monday to Friday are designed with you in mind. We are also open on Saturdays, 7 a.m. to 12 p.m. for your further convenience. Call or contact us at 465-6657 or email us at info at qualitydiagnosticlab.com. Quality Diagnostic Laboratory. Excellence in performance. This Christmas season, shop at Classic Electronics in St. Martin. At Classic Electronics, you get the best in electronics from small appliances to the latest and best in smartphones, audio equipment, household appliances like refrigerators, washing machines, stoves, and the best brands in smart TVs. Classic Electronics also sells jewelry, watches, headphones, Bluetooth speakers, tablets, and so much more. So, border the shopping ferry trips from past years and kids and make sure to stop at Classic Electronics on Backstreet St. Martin. Call 721-523-3889 for the best in quality and prices. Come to Classic Electronics in St. Martin. Feeling hungry and want something quick to eat? Then come to Quick Bites Bar and Restaurant located on College Street, Bastyr. At Quick Bites, we offer the best in hamburgers, fries, chicken, chicken nuggets, fish burgers, hot dogs, bacon dogs, egg sandwiches, salads, and much more. Visit or call us at 465-5308 or call 663-3107 to place your order. Quick Bites on College Street. Comfort your taste buds with a quick bite. SKNFA Premier League football is back. SK Newsline and Voice of the Caribbean Radio present the Premier League Match of the Week. Live video stream and radio commentary on St. Kitsinevis' premier online media networks. Every Saturday at 8pm, watch live football action at the Warner Park Football Stadium on the SK Newsline Facebook page www.sknewsline.com and at the Facebook page of the St. Kitsinevis Football Association. You can also listen to live radio commentary at www.voiceofthecaribbean.net. It's the Premier League Match of the Week on SK Newsline and Voice of the Caribbean Radio every Saturday at 8 p.m. Don't miss it. We at Multigraphics are dedicated to providing quality products and service to our customers. Our team takes pride in the craftsmanship and is passionate about its work. Every job, large or small, is important. Most of our customers come to us through referrals. That's because our number one priority is service. We serve a wide variety of customers, such as restaurants, retail stores, manufacturers, trucking companies, and many more. Our capabilities include design, production, and installation. 
How can we help? We are located at Bird Rock at the Woods Wright compound. Call us at 869-763-1511 or 784-491-7599. Multigraphics. Simply the best sound in Caribbean radio. This is VOC Radio. Welcome back to Let's Talk St. Kitts and Nevis. We're in the final furlong of the program and uh, what we will do as uh, we've been talking extensively about the elections in Dominica, we're going to be uh, getting a report on what actually happened um, during the, the elections. Uh, we'll get this report from the Caribbean Update News Service, uh, originally out of Grenada, and they did an extensive report, a follow-up report on the Dominica elections. So let's join the Caribbean Update News Service now for this report. settled back into normal life following a contentious general elections that resulted in an unprecedented fifth term for the Dominica Labour Party. That's our top story tonight. I will honor, uphold and preserve the constitution of the Commonwealth of Dominica. The constitution of the Commonwealth of Dominica. So help me God. So help me God. Roosevelt Skerritt has been officially sworn in as Prime Minister following Friday's general elections. As the observer missions who witnessed the poll said, it reflected the will of the people. The final results are expected to stay at 18 to 3, as it was confirmed late Saturday that the seat of Castle Bruce had gone to Octavia Alfred of the Dominica Labour Party, which made an unprecedented sweep in the East. After the polling on Friday, life quickly got back to normal Saturday as the opposition inspired violence, which was feared, never materialized. At the market in Roseau, people were doing a brisk trade, with most seeming to acknowledge that the results were just about right. First and foremost, there was a lot of different people monitoring the election. Who's carried invited, plus who he did invited. All polling station in my constituency, there was about three people by by each um, office where you vote. I find Dominicans they should compliment scary. In a country, you never think that everybody would vote or would like the same person. Everybody have their different vibes towards governments. You know, you never get the whole country to support one man. You always see have other people that have different ideologies, and you know. So we give praise and thanks, Roosevelt Skerritt. Congratulations, you know, we love you. At Point Michel, one of the area's hardest hit during the hurricane two years ago, the community was hard at work as people there, like around many parts of Dominica, got prepared for an unprecedented fifth term under the DLP. I just want better for Dominica. Mr. Roosevelt Skerritt, that he has said to Dominicans, don't think of him, think of yourself. I use red and blue because now we are one. I use blue and red now because now that's what, that's what we are now. We are Dominicans. 
We are not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a labor right, I'm not UWP rights. I am a Dominican now. How has it been? It has not been easy for none of us, but by the grace of God, we all have overcome and we have seen a better country, a better community, a better nation. Prime Minister Skerritt says the responsibility that comes with the mandate is not lost on him. And I always say to people, I only have one vote. Um, and it is by votes, people win. And by the majority votes, you form the government. And the people exercise that constitutional right. But opposition leader Lennox Linton said he has refused to congratulate Skerritt because, in his view, the elections were not free and fair. It was no different. Unfortunately, the people of Dominica had their hopes and dreams set aside, dashed by yet another stolen election. But the observer missions said the conduct of Paul and the final results were indeed fair. We are here to tell you that we observed the electoral process and that we are satisfied that on election day, the people who voted, their votes reflected the will of those who voted. At back-to-back -back press conferences by both missions of the Organization of American States and the Commonwealth, locals on both sides of the argument outnumbered media representatives seeking to get their own points in. We can't validate any election, and this, is, this report is crap. It's nonsense. As messages of congratulations continue to pour in, Dominica is expected to settle back down quickly after a bruising election campaign. Prime Minister Skerritt said everyone should learn lessons from the last few months, and there should be a genuine dialogue on matters that will affect the development of people. I'm Austin Crosby with the Carib Update News Service. Dominica's Prime Minister Roosevelt Skerritt, who, as you heard, was sworn in for a fifth time as the island's Prime Minister on the weekend following Friday's general elections, says he will announce his new cabinet December 17. The confirmed margin of victory is 18-3 to 3 after a recount in the Castle Bruce constituency on the weekend. Observers from CARICOM, the Commonwealth and the Organization of American States have all declared the elections free and fair and said it reflected the will of the Dominica people. Head of the OAS mission, former Bahamas Prime Minister Hubert Ingram, said they were satisfied with what they witnessed. That they came in? They came in, there were poll workers from both parties, and they cast their ballots, and the ballots were counted. Commonwealth Observer Team, headed by Zinab Bangura, a former Minister of Foreign Affairs in Sierra Leone and former Undersecretary General at the United Nations, also had the same view. We can report that we observe very few instances of voters' identifications being challenged in polling stations. In response to a direct question from a talk show host claiming widespread irregularities, Ingraham said his team found differently. We didn't find any irregularity of sufficient consequence to be able to affect the will of the people as expressed at the ballot box yesterday. But opposition leader Lennox Linton said it was anything but free and fair, seeing that except in the three constituencies his party candidates won, people were enticed to vote for the incumbent. We have a problem in Dominica because it seems 
everybody that is supposed to help us, everybody that is supposed to give an idea of where we could be heading and how we could be heading where we're going, is turning their back on us. Prime Minister Skerritt said the way the elections were conducted demonstrated that no one can contest what the will of the people was. Everybody who wanted to vote and who availed his or herself to the process voted in Dominic. Um, and everybody, I must say, was respectful of each other uh, at every polling station as far as the reports reaching me state. Um, and there are people who stood in the line for five hours uh, patiently uh, waiting to vote. And take into consideration um, the threats of violence and actual violence, um, many people did not expect us to have a situation where people would be able to go to the polls, have access to the polls, but, but no one in this country was impeded um, from going to vote and voting for a candidate of his or her choice. Prime Minister Skerritt said he was pleased with the way people conducted themselves on election day. Uh, the world was watching us and had, had been watching us for some time. And I think we have confounded um, many uh, interest groups around the world um, who felt that our political process would have descended into chaos and that um, it would have been difficult to indicate who would have won the elections in Dominica. The Dominican leader said he will move to set up a commission to deal with the many debated areas of electoral reform. The issue of electoral reform will form part of the government's first 100 days of in office. And recognizing that there are differences of opinion um, as to how the process should go forward, it is my intention, as indicated, to invite a Caribbean jurist uh, to chair a commission. And our intention is to also invite um, other um, partners in the hemisphere to assist us in carrying the process forward. Um, and there will be both private and public hearings, and those who want to share their views will have an opportunity to share their views. And that coming out of these consultations overseen by this commission and chaired by these juries, um, we can agree on what the legislation should entail to usher in electoral reform. This is Primetime Caribbean. We will have more news after this. Don't go anywhere. And that report from Caribbean Update News Service. Well, that's about how we're going to wrap up this edition of Let's Talk St. Kitts Nevis. We focused on the Dominican elections, which uh, ended recently. And uh, there, a lot of attention was on that because of the lead-up to it, the violent lead-up to it. There were protests on the street, blocked roads um, as the opposition clamored for electoral reform. But, of course, um, we, we saw the results. Uh, the Dominican Labour Party returned to office for fifth term, uh, the, the fourth one for Prime Minister Roosevelt Skerritt. And that's how we do it on this edition of Let's Talk St. Kitts News. I want to thank Mr. Peter Wickham for being a part of the show. He was our main guest on the show today. We also had um, on that report you heard there from the Carabao News Service, very detailed report 
on the elections. Uh, remember, you can listen to a rebroadcast of uh, this program tomorrow yeah. at uh, 10 o'clock on Voice of the Caribbean Radio at voiceofthecaribbean.net. You can also listen to us on our Android mobile app or on TuneIn Radio. I am Andre Huey. Once again, thanks for listening to Voice of the Caribbean Radio, reaching the Caribbean and beyond.